Welcome to the Eau Claire Muse, where through stimulating conversations, we inspire our community to create the future it wants. This podcast is produced by the UW-Eau Claire Entrepreneur Program. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eau Claire Muse. I'm Alexa Caperi, a senior here at UW-Eau Claire, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Ben and Anne. Hello, everybody. I'm Ben Weller, junior at UW-Eau Claire. And I'm Ann Rupnow, Director of the UW-Eau Claire Entrepreneur Program. Today, we are honored to have with us University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire Chancellor Jim Schmidt. Welcome, Chancellor Jim. Thank you so much for being here. Pleased to be here. The format for today is that Ben and I are each going to ask you a couple of questions to kick our conversation off. Uh, Ben, we'll start. All right, Chancellor Jim. So when you and your family first moved here, what was your initial overall impression of Eau Claire? Maybe share a positive one first, and then we'll follow up with a less positive first impression. Well, of course, it's all about people. And so I've, uh, I had, we had immediately uh, ideas of both the university community and then the broader community of Eau Claire and the Chippewa Valley. One of the first things I recognized while we were interviewing in, in Eau Claire was the culture at UW-Eau Claire. Every university says how they put students first and do everything they can to make sure students have a fantastic transformative experience. But really the surprise for me is that Eau Claire really, really believed that and lived their culture. And the best I could tell that culture had been there for decades before my family arrived in Eau Claire. Everything from its focus on undergraduate research, something that really isn't done to the extent uh, that is done here when I was back in Minnesota, that focus on making sure that the education they received was transformative, but that it could be applied. The number of students that do high impact experiences such as internships and community engagement work in order to get their degree really set UW-Eau Claire aside. And I had numerous anecdotal stories of faculty members who just went above and beyond as well as the staff to make sure students uh, came truly first. From a community perspective, uh, during the interview, they had a reception with a number of area business leaders And I've made that a part of my career for more than 30 years. But what I found in Eau Claire is that the business community and the broader civic community truly believed Eau Claire was an opportunity to be more of a game changer. They saw that UW-Eau Claire could be, uh, help them reach their broader goals for the region, not only in educating future leaders and workers in the community, but being a force for positive change within the community whether it be economic development, whether it be cultural diversity kinds of work within the community. It was very clear from speaking to business leaders across the spectrum that they all believe that and were willing to roll up their sleeves and get to work. If you'd asked me to pick something maybe less positive, it really was things that were certainly more superficial, but important. And that was both within the university and the community as well. And that was around the facilities needed to create the transformational change necessary. One of the key signals I took um, when I was applying to be chancellor back in 2012 um, was that this, this community and this university realized that they could build a new performing arts center that would be bigger and better and give better opportunities for students if they did it together something to replace care theater and the old state theater downtown realizing that again by working together and sharing we got something 
far better than we could have hoped to do on our own. So there's an illustration that the that the community was already pre-positioned, that the university was willing to be sharing facilities. And that told me there was opportunities. Uh, certainly the Pablo Center turned out to becoming a transformative uh, impact on the downtown. Because frankly, the downtown, when my family first got here, you could uh, you know, go downtown Eau Claire on a Sunday or even a Saturday and the place was pretty quiet. There weren't there weren't many restaurants. There weren't a lot of things going on, and it was frankly kind of depressing. And now it's a very different story. I'd have the same story about the university. I did a little secret shopper trip in November of 2012 before deciding to apply. I had uh, Winona wasn't that far away, and so I had friends that had friends in the business community, and so I I met with them to you know make sure that this was the kind of community that would work with the university. And then I walked around campus. I walked around campus in a suit and, um, you know, it's my normal uniform. I walked into the Davies Center and I'm like, wow, it had just opened a few months ago. This is really nice. Sat down with a group of students, asked them if I could join them. And I asked them, why did they choose UW-Eau Claire and what did they hope to do when they were done? And I just sat back and listened in astonishment. I was just blown away. They again talked about the faculty and the staff and what they would do uh, to help students. And uh, people talked about their experiences of studying abroad, undergraduate research, and again, internships that were very formative. Went up and went to another table, asked the same students the same question, got the same set of answers. Uh, again, students very happy. Nobody asked me who I was or why I was asking these questions. I was in a suit, so I must be trustworthy. And of course, that's a bad, it's a bad thing. The people in suits are not all trustworthy, but I appreciate they gave me the benefit of the doubt. But then I left Davies and I walked into the science building, the Phillips Hall, and was stunned at the condition. I was stunned after hearing students and members of the community talk about the importance of undergraduate research and the amazing work faculty were doing. And I was amazed of the condition of that building. And frankly, I then walked into a number of other campus buildings and also saw that these things had been built in the 50s and 60s and um, frankly had not been uh, updated in any significant way. So from a superficial perspective, what was the thing that stuck out for me? Uh, it was the question, did people realize that it was important to make investments back in the university and back in the community? Now, make me give me a choice of whether I have great faculty and staff or great facilities. And that answer is simple. I'd rather have the great faculty and staff. But it's important if you want to attract to the best faculty and staff and retain them, that they need proper work conditions and the tools necessary so that their passion for what they teach can be equaled by the facilities necessary to do the work well. And um, so those are my initial impressions. Those are definitely some great answers. I'm happy you didn't take the easy way out for the, the second part of the question and say the walk over the bridge. That'd be a... <laughs> Definitely a one less positive, I would have to say, but definitely minor. I, I would tell you, I came back at spring break after I had been and signed my contract, but it hadn't been announced on campus. And I wanted to show my kids. I had to convince them to move here. And it was their spring break and the campus spring break and no one was here. 
And we walked all over campus, uh, tried to be inconspicuous. We went out to the footbridge and my, my youngest son reminded me, he was trying to get a picture with a, it was a forerunner of an old, uh, like an iPad type of thing. And the wind picked up and it almost went into the Chippewa River. He just reminded me of that. So that, and then we did go up the stairs. And so I did get my workout of the, the bridge and the hill immediately. So I was christened to the things our students deal with every day. It definitely, uh, the, the steps and the bridge definitely help contribute to the active community that we have here in Eau Claire. We have the strongest cabs in the UW system. Yes, definitely. So moving on to the second question, um, as you know, we on the Eau Claire Muse are especially interested in anything related to innovation, forward thinking progress, the entrepreneurial ecosystem, etc. So diving in a bit around those impressions, I'm wondering, was there anything back then around those topics that stood out to you about Eau Claire? Absolutely. And they connect to some of the first things I talked about. So as I was following the news, as I was interviewing here, I saw the plans for what was then called the Confluence Project. And one of the earliest benefactors of the project, um, in addition to RCU, uh, were the folks from uh, Jamf Software. And uh, as I learned more about that, I was just fascinated because I found that Eau Claire had a number of uh, young people in their 30s, and I know college students think those are old, but from my perspective, they're young people who are giving away their resources because they wanted to give back to this community. They wanted to make sure that students and uh, members of the community had better opportunities that they had. And so learning the story of Jamf Software that was founded by a music major who understood a problem needed to be solved and he told the story about working for LTS and needing to run off to faculty's offices to update their apples, that there had to be a better way. And he took advantage of the skills he had here to develop what has now become Jamf Software, a publicly traded company. And all of those founders believe passionately in hiring people based on, you know, who they were, what they could contribute, and that idea that it's creativity. Yes, uh, entrepreneurs may need technical expertise in the area of what they're doing. But one of the best things about UW-Eau Claire is we have strong sciences, strong business programs, but we also have very creative people. Often the creative people, they have the ideas for the business. They may need to involve someone from the sciences to design what they want to do in their business. And it's always good to hire business grads to actually run these businesses. And Jamf Software was a great example. And um, so that told me something about the community. And there were, you know, the stories about Nick Meyer and what he had done with Volume One, um, uh, Sam Murdy, who was an early fundraiser for the Confluence Project, again, someone in their 30s. Typically, people still building their businesses, their families, and their careers aren't giving away their wealth to some extent. And what I noticed is that the, the more senior members of the city of Eau Claire were willing to put their money behind them, saying the future's about young people. This is what they think is important, and we're willing to invest in that future as well. I would say one other thing that struck me is the story of the closing of the tire plant. You know, I remember hearing about that because I lived in Minnesota, and I looked at the size of that structure, and that could have been an eyesore uh, still. And I was really proud when I found out a Blue Gold had been responsible for taking over that facility, renovating it, and making it available for uh, uh, young entrepreneurs. 
after having been here, I've met a number of very successful alums who launched businesses, in some cases, right on campuses in their dorm rooms, but later moved it into Banbury Place as an incubation space. Uh, Sports Engine was an example of one of those. And when I later met with them, they do an onboarding video for all their new employees. And I think they're well over a thousand employees now. And it starts with a picture of Schofield Hall and then of their dorm room, followed by a video of the transformation of their space at Banbury Place. And Banbury Place, I think, has done more to launch new businesses in this area. And I'm grateful and proud that a blue gold was at the heart of that. Yeah, I agree. That's an awesome story. It's so great to hear about your first impressions, Chancellor. You know, once we've been here a while, and I'm a longtime Eau Claire resident myself, it's kind of hard to remember what Eau Claire looks like through the eyes of newcomers. So uh, thank you for those reflections. As you know, one of the things we hope to do with this podcast is to open our eyes to the possible future of Eau Claire with our guests. So I have a twofold future thinking question for you. And first, to set the stage, imagine it's now 2026, just five brief years away. You are pausing and reflecting on the 2026 Eau Claire you are in, thinking about the incredible things that are taking place. One positive thing is even hitting the national news. So the question, describe if you will, what is your 2026 reflection like? And what might the positive news item be about Eau Claire that is being picked up by national news? What are your perspectives on that? What maybe your hopes around that? Well, the time frame is uh, perfect because the university is in the process of four. Um, finalizing our strategic plan. A new draft from the planning committee will be out, I believe, later this week, and we'll take the next month to take further feedback. They've been working on it for more than a year, and their time frame is 2025. What do they hope to have completed by December 31st, 2025? So it previews the time frame of your question. And I think if you look at their draft plan, you'll see that there are three things that are leading in that. First of all, and they all build on strengths of the university, but its its big goal is around national distinctions. So you've your, your question parallels that perfectly. And in that draft plan, there are three components that they hope to, to focus on. One is that we become known as a national leader in health and human well-being. That capitalizes on partnerships, both national and internationally known partners, such as the Mayo Clinic, Marshfield Clinic, and others, long-standing partnerships and some newer partnerships we hope to develop. Uh, Mayo is funding something called Biomedical Innovator Scholars to provide full-ride scholarships for students to come to Eau Claire and to be about innovation. So it's not just pre-med, it's around healthcare innovation to improve lives. I think one of the things that could be in the national headline is uh, nationally known research coming out of that partnership with Mayo Clinic that is substantially improving healthcare and saving lives. There's a current research project I'm not going to talk about right here that is already doing that. And I believe within five years, that'll be well known. And the timing is perfect because we should be opening, speaking of facilities, our brand new science and health science building. Uh, tentative timeframe shows late 2025, early 2026. And this, pro this uh, facility will be known for its uh, research capacity, not only for our students, 
The Mayo Clinic will have 10,000 square feet of dedicated research space. We'll also be uh, unveiling in the next several weeks a growing partnership we have with Cray Supercomputer, now called HPE, um, who recently acquired that. And we envision a, a, one of the nation's largest supercomputer clusters being put in this new facility, something to draw young people in, get them excited about innovation. What can they discover if they can crunch big set data sets to learn where opportunities are? So I think that those are some of the things. The other two things that could be putting us on the national uh, headlines, though, is we want to be known for leadership and equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, now, we're a predominantly white school, and we have a long way to go. But we're also very focused and intent on becoming um, a, 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 an anti-racist campus. And there's a new Center for Racial and Restorative Justice. We hope to be hosting international symposiums. We bring together the best research on that topic. So it's possible that there would be a breakthrough in that area that would put us in the national headlines. And finally, we plan to expand on the undergraduate research. We would like to see undergraduate research uh, expanded throughout our curriculum and fundamentally relooking at our faculty workload to figure out how we can make sure all students have access to that high impact experience. We want every blue gold to leave this campus knowing the opportunities are truly endless. Um, so I think that there's many that can be found given your time frame. That is truly inspiring and hopeful. Um, the partnerships that you talk about are are really fun to think about. And as you're talking, I feel like, how, how do we separate UW-Eau Claire from Eau Claire? We really don't, right? They, whatever's good for UW-Eau Claire is good for the community of Eau Claire and vice versa. I agree. So our kind of closing question then, and it's an important one, especially in thinking about what you just shared with us, uh, is given that vision of possibility, what would you want to then in 2026 go back and tell the 2021 Eau Claire that we are now in? Well, I'm going to cheat on this one. I'm going to quote uh, somebody other than myself. I'm going to quote Walt Disney, who said, if you can dream it, you can do it. And I think in the Midwest, it's especially important that we understand we can stand right along all those other institutions on the East Coast, West Coast, and the Southern areas. Um, we tend to be a little more bashful. We are less likely to raise our hand and say, you know what? We're not only above average, but we're among the best in these areas. And I think that a failure to have an imagination, failure to see the linkages, and finally, failure to understand the power of partnerships. There's no reason we should be trying to do any of these things alone. We are stronger together. We are smarter together. And we can accomplish a whole lot more together if we only have the courage to dream and then know that we can accomplish it. And the strategic plan that the university is going to be discussing says we want national distinction. Now, that's going to blow some people away. And I'm going to encourage all the listeners to understand we shouldn't sell ourselves short. I would put my faith and confidence in our faculty, staff, and students in this community over any place in the country. And I would be reaching back from 2026 to remind the people in 2021, don't be bashful, dream big. That's perfect. And what a great start to this podcast. 
Yes, we really appreciate you being here. It was uh, it was awesome to hear your insight today. It's definitely been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you all for doing this. Alrighty. Thank you everyone for tuning into the Eau Claire Muse today. Please remember to like and follow our social media pages so you don't miss out on any of our amazing guests. Today's podcast was brought to you by the UW Eau Claire Entrepreneur Program, an active partner in our region's entrepreneurial ecosystem. Thanks for listening.